Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by the Herald Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Argyle Chat. I've managed to drag Chris Errington and Jack Paul off the beach to discuss the recent goings on at Home Park. Hi chaps. Hi Stu. Yeah, it was lovely on the beach. Fantastic. What a yes, cracking indeed. weekend, eh? Indeed. As yes. long as you don't get yourself burnt in the sunshine. I can't think of anyone stupid enough <laughs> to do that, can you? <laughs> no. no, move on. Indeed, moving on then. Um, Again, plenty of activity at Argyle last week. Uh, a new signing, Chris, Ryan Edwards, has come in, and Ar- a player that Argyle have paid a bit of money for as well. Yeah, they paid a compensation fee for, for Ryan Edwards. Basically, he's under 24, he was offered a new contract by Morecambe, and in those circumstances, a club that wants to sign a player have to pay a compensation fee. It's undisclosed, as is always the case these days. I would imagine it would be a smallish five-figure sum, um, and I would suspect, I don't know, but again, often is the way set on clauses and that might be a way that if Ryan Edwards goes on and does well for Argyle, say, in the, say that Curtis Nelson did or something like that, then, then Morecambe might benefit uh, in the long run as well. So 23, centre-back, looks on the up, was Morecambe's player of the year last season. The fans chose him as the player of the year, so did his teammates. Looks a, looks a good signing to me. Yeah, and Morecambe, a club that are probably good to do business with right now, chap. We know about their financial problems from last season, so I guess they kind of need the money right now. Yeah, it's, it's just the way the football works, isn't it? You know, some Argyle fans felt aggrieved when Curtis Nelson left and a similar sort of scenario took place even though it went to a tribunal. And it's just the way football works, you know. If you can pick up a player on it for a decent fee, then that's great. And as Chris said, he looks like an exciting player, good age as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see what other players he brings in, but... On, on the on the you know looking at that it looks like a great signing and hopefully step up to League One will be interesting but he's obviously proved himself at League Two level so it's a good good rise for him and a good rise for Argyle. Something we've spoken about before, Chris, is perhaps the lack of pace in the Argyle backline. Is is he a player that is is quick across the ground? Do you know? Or, um, or do you know much about his well, kind he's, of attributes? He's he's played against Argyle a lot over the last few years for for Morecambe, so he's a player that we've we've seen regularly. He can play right side centre back mainly, but left as well. I've seen him play left centre-back for Argyle, so you could see him fitting in with Sonny Bradley, maybe. Um, is he quick? Not in the Curtis Nelson quick, um, but, you know, he's reasonably mobile. Um, I think a lot, you know, will depend pace-wise in terms of, of full-backs, maybe, and, uh, you know, uh, we'll get into full-backs and who's going to play where next season, nearer the time, but, you know, Oscar Threlke, I'd say, if he does play it right-back, gives you a bit of pace and energy sort of thing, so... Um, no, I think he's, uh, you know, he's, he, he looks like a, a, an improving centre-back. Started at Blackburn. It's three summer signings now for Argyle. Um, sounds as though there might be another one or two maybe before the start of pre-season training, uh, which is Wednesday week, Wednesday the 28th. So, um, and then there'll be obviously be a business, bit of business done during the pre-season. Indeed. Uh, you mentioned full-backs there. Gary Sawyer, we believe, is close to agreeing a new deal. Good news for Argyle? Yeah, I mean, he... he, he Good club man, he Yes, he is, and uh, he mentioned it uh, to, to Baron Cross, our, our colleague, uh, at the end of last season and said he would be staying. 
as is often the way people go away on holiday, things don't get to, I's don't get dotted, T's don't get crossed. Um, so there's been no official confirmation about Gary Sawyer, but apparently he's very, you know, it's, it's all there, ready to go. And, and when he uh, returns from holiday, puts pen to paper, then it'll all be completed. Experienced, you know, club man. Um, I suspect that he would be more than happy to sort of see out his career at Argyle if at all possible. Um, I will need another left back because there isn't really one um, on the books after Ben Parrington's move to, to Rotherham. So it's almost certainly going to be Gary Sawyer and I and other to play at left back next season. Yeah, Jack, you always like to see homegrown players coming through and, and Gary fits that bill, doesn't he? Well, that's the thing. He, he obviously cares about the club. He's got a great you know, pass with the club. And it's great to see that you know he's he's here a bit like Luke McCormick. You know he's been at the club for a long time, and they're sort of like the you know, almost like the figureheads of the team. And I, I totally agree with Chris again that a second left back will be needed. But it's, it's as Derek Adams has proved since he's been manager, he's very keen on competition and wants and thinks that gets the best out of players, which obviously it does. So just it's going to be it's going to be I think it's a great thing to have him down, and he's a good player and a reliable player more importantly. Yeah, we haven't really seen too much in, in terms of speculation this last week, have we? It's, it's, no, it's, it's gone a bit quiet again. Yeah, it's quite. I mean, Martin Starnes has, has said, hasn't he, you know, that even, you know, talking to people around football, it's, it's been very quiet. And it, it has. There's really not been that much business. I mean, Argyle have made three signings and, you know, that's not too bad compared to some clubs. It, it, it does seem to have been quite quiet. Just on, the, you know, Gary Sawyer and he was offered a new contract to stay. Graham Carey and Mark McCallum are both in the same boat as well. Obviously, we've spoken at length about Graham Carey. Still no news as we sit. You know, there's little bits and pieces, you know, linking in with various clubs. But um, nothing that seems hard and fast and, you know, something that is, is really going to happen. So it is, it is fascinating to see that we've got ourselves into mid-June and we're still really no closer to knowing about Graham Carey. As I said to the previous question, you know, pre-season starts next Wednesday, Wednesday week. You know, you would think that Argyle would like to to have an answer by then. Although, you know, they've said that there's no no hard and fast deadline on Carey. And Mark McCallum, the backup goalkeeper, who obviously made a couple of sub appearances last season, he was offered a new deal as well. Again, we've not heard anything about him, and you know, you wonder if as as time goes by that he might you know try and uh, explore um, you know other options. But uh, as things stand at the moment, Argyle have only got Luke McCormick as a goalkeeper. Or, uh, on the contract for next season, so clearly uh, that's an area that Derek Adams will address in the next week or two. I say, I think. But lack of speculation, it's not just down to our guys. There's a lot of clubs not really doing much, and I was yeah. I'm wondering whether possibly that's because now you can't have loan signings after deadline. People managers are taking it a lot more seriously. Before, if you brought players in and they want that great, you could you know sign players on loan up until the deadline closes. But now that's not an option. I'm sure. And also the fact apart from Mansfield, you've signed yeah. plenty of players. You, um, you're going to have to be more careful of who you sign if your budgets mm -hmm. are tight. You need to get it right. You can't bring in players on loan until October, November time. Absolutely, and also the fact you can only play for two clubs in in a, yeah. I yes. think it's in a calendar year, isn't yes. it? Yeah. So um, you yeah. know, as you say, managers have got to be really careful with these. Yeah. And a lot of players have contracts, or not a lot of players. All players have contracts that end on June the thirtieth. Yeah. And so you know, some clubs will take the viewpoint: well, what's the point of signing somebody before the end of June? You know, leave it till July the first, second, third, fourth. So I'm sure once we get into the week after next, then things yeah. will will really start picking up. Indeed. Uh, there was some speculation kicking around last week, of course, and that was uh, with regards to Derek Adams, who was linked with the vacant, well, I say vacancy, it didn't become a vacancy, <laughs> with uh, yeah. Derek Innes turning down Sunderland and deciding to stay with Aberdeen. Um, I guess this is something fans are just going to have to get used to now, isn't it? You know, Derek's stock is on the rise, and any big job that comes up, his name's going to start being linked with it. 
Yeah, David Monday, our colleague, did a good piece on this, didn't he? You know, it's it's part and parcel. It goes with the territory. If if your team is doing well, um, the manager is going to get linked, speculated about with other other clubs. It happened with um, Paul Sturrock first time around, and he was linked with two or three jobs before he eventually left for Southampton. Um, it is something that if Argyle are doing well in League One next season, Derek Adams will get linked with jobs. Um, uh, and it is one of those, it's not not ideal, but it's a better problem to have than to have a manager that no one really rates and you know he's about to get the sack uh, any time soon. So it's, it's, it's football, isn't it? There's very little grey in football, black and white. You know, if the manager's doing well, then he's going to get linked with other jobs. If the manager's doing badly, he's, he's going to get the sack. So, you know, I know which which of the two problems I prefer I'd rather have next season. Yeah, Jack, I guess you were just delighted when you heard that Derek McInnes was uh, was staying at Aberdeen. Well, it's funny because we've had a few calls last week from fans that just rang in to chat, really, and I was the one that happened to pick the phone up, I think, for a few of those occasions. <laughs> and, you know, people said they were quite upset by the news and... And, but Chris is quite right, you know, part of success is, is seeing your manager and players linked to bigger bigger clubs and, and that's always going to be the case and it's another sign that Argyle are on the right tracks and, you know, with Aberdeen with Derek Adams it was an obvious link wasn't it and the, the paper up in Scotland did the story and fans were quite rightly a bit worried but it's, it's a sign of the good things to come. The board has done a good job in securing down to a four year deal, you know, and some fans were questioning that one at the time, oh that's a long deal. Um, and in the past year or two, we've been surprised he's not been linked to more jobs with the success he's had. You know, Nathan Jones has been at Luton and he seems to be linked with every job that, that's going. But Derek Adams, up until now, has been linked with very few. And we should, we should say, I, I spoke to Derek's agent, Raymond Sparks, who uh, was, was annoyed at the way the speculation started and how Derek had got involved in it because there was a story in the papers up in Scotland that uh, said that Derek was keen to go to Aberdeen. Now, of course, there wasn't a vacancy at the time, but it looked as though Derek McInnes was going to go to Sunderland, but he didn't. Um, and and um, Derek's agent, Raymond Sparks, was very keen to point out that, you know, the speculation didn't come from him or Derek at all, and, um, yeah, he was annoyed with the way it all cropped up. So, but we're going to, I say, Stu, we're going to get, if, if Argyle do well next season with Derek Adams, you know, we're going to be sat at this table doing a podcast talking about speculation with Derek Adams and you know that's that's definitely a better option than sat here saying well Argyle have lost Should six or seven games in a row they yeah, get rid of them so it's it's going to be one or the other that's that's football these yeah. days yeah. isn't and it and it happens to all clubs and Portsmouth have lost their manager yeah. to Wigan mm-hmm. you've yeah. seen Appleton's apparently going to Leicester so these things happen Chris, to clubs Chris Wilder left yes. Northampton didn't he you know when they got promoted as you say Paul Cook this you know, happens that, every that's club, what happens, and and you know, you know, you've just got to bear in mind that no one man is ever bigger than a football club. It doesn't matter if it's Graham Carey, it doesn't matter if it's Derek Adams. Do you want to lose him? Of course you don't. But you know, th- there's always a possibility that some somebody higher up the football pyramid will want them. And the trick is to be able to keep getting your appointments and your signings right. Swansea City did it brilliantly. They kept losing their manager. Yeah. And they did it really well for a while, and then they, for whatever reason, the last couple of appointments haven't worked so well, and they've lost their way. But of um, Southampton as well with players, you know, you've mm-hmm. got all the players that Southampton have lost, but their recruitment policy is so good. They've got and and Burton another be... team that lost their manager yeah. Yeah, a few times and still kept that progression up. So if you lose your manager, it's not to say you're going to go right back down again. It's and Derek has helped rise up stock, hasn't he? So yeah. you would think if he was to move, there'd be a high caliber of manager applying for the job and. 
I've got to be, you know, beneficial for that. No return for John Sheridan then. Okay. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> uh, moving on then, guys. A League Cup draw was made last week. Bristol City away. Jack, you've been to Bristol City before? I have. The, the, the time I went to Bristol City was when Rab Douglas made his one and only appearance for Argyle and kept a clean sheet. Um, it was a great, great, great occasion. A great stadium, which is even better now with the yeah, new it's stand. Yeah, up, wasn't it? I, I loved it then. It's a local, it's a local game. I think it was the closest we could have had. Yep. So I'll, 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 if I can get along, I'll, I'll, I'll look forward to it. Um, it'll be a good test. There's a few links with Bobby Reid, um, Joe Bryant and Garita possibly. Um, it's an exciting tie. There could have there been worse ones, but I, I'm, I'm very excited. It's, it's looking like a tasty tie as well. Yeah, Chris, you said you didn't want Ipswich or Norwich away, so you kind of got your wish, really, an away tie just up the road. Oh, no, I just thought in Norwich, I thought like <laughs> 360 miles I could... <laughs> in a regionalised draw uh, as well. In a regionalised draw, so... Bristol City away is a good outcome. I've not been to Ashton Gate since it's been redeveloped. It does look fantastic. Yeah. Um, looks really good. Be a good tie. Good test for Argyle. Yeah, I think that's 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 a really good outcome for Argyle. Yeah, and of course on uh, Wednesday we have the EFL fixtures coming out when we'll find out Argyle's League One campaign. Mm. Um, any preferences? Home or away start? Any opposition you'd really like to see up first? Well, I would have liked a home game in the first, you know, the first season. You, you, after all, you know, months of not having your team, you want to see them, don't you? And, but Chris has revealed an interesting stat to us that's made me possibly now want an away game in the first, in the first fixture. Yeah, we're just doing a few pieces on, you know, in the build-up to the fixture release time. And uh, one of them was I was looking at the last time Argyle won a home league game on the first day of the season. And you can read about it a bit more um, later on, but it was in 1998, a long time ago. So... Um, 19 years since the last time one at home. Have they had many since then? They've had eight. Eight since then. So eight games. So they've pr the, generally speaking, over the last 20 odd years, they've been away from home quite a lot more than at home on the first day of the season. But they've had eight games since 1998 and um, four draws, four defeats. And with our goals away record, then um, an away game might not uh, be a bad thing. You know, when they, they started at. Um, Derek Adams' reign as manager started with an away game against AFC Wimbledon and they won there 2-0 and that almost set the tone for Argyle's away form ever since. And uh, I don't need to remind Argyle fans too much, I don't think, about what happened when Luton visited Home Park on the first day of last season. So you could, you could say that it perhaps wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if Argyle were away um, first day of the season, maybe have a home game last day of the season and uh, you know, balance that out. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty relaxed about it. It's nice that it's going to be in League One, so um, you know hopefully see some new signings, a decent game. You know if it's away from home, you know Argyle have been good in the last couple of years, so I don't see um, any reason why they couldn't uh, go away from home to a lot, if not all, of the teams in League One and, and give a good account of themselves. For me, I'm not that bothered, but the one fixture I would like to be in August, if it's sunny, is Blackpool away. I'd quite like to make a weekend for that. Yeah. Well, we won't go back Fleetwood away. Just on the weekend. Yeah, Fleetwood. Fleetwood, Fleetwood, well. yeah, Fleetwood wouldn't Blackpool. be bad. Yeah, just pop up on the tram from yeah. Blackpool to Fleetwood and nice and easy. Yeah, so that, that would suit me fine, yeah. as long as it's sunny. <laughs> uh, another thing I wanted to, uh, to touch on, uh, the EFL last week came out and, and spoke about some proposed changes at their little sojourn off to Portugal. Mm -hmm. um, one of them being five subs per game, increasing that from the current three that it is at the moment to uh, managers potentially making five substitutions a game. I know what you're going to say, Chris, because you're a bit like <laughs> me, aren't you? You don't, you're, you're, you don't like these uh, these changes. And I mentioned it to you last week and you dismissed it out of hand. I think I might have rolled my eyes, didn't I? Yeah. I, I am an avowed member of the traditionalists club, I'm afraid. <laughs> but uh, 
One of the reasons I'm not in favour of it, Stu, is that it's, it's bad enough when you make six substitutions in the game and you're trying to do a running report Absolutely. and you, you've got to keep updating all your records, haven't you? Could you imagine them making ten subs in a game? <laughs> It'd be a nightmare, wouldn't it? Um, but that's not the only reason I'm against it. I mean, you know, where are you going to draw the line if you go up to five subs? Are you just going to, you know, have 22 and you're going to chop and change all the time? I, I can see, you know, in rugby union they make a lot of substitutions. And I, I can see that to a degree, you know, and... But football, no, I'm, I'm not, not in favour. I think three is more than enough. Um, and, you know, seven subs on a, ben- on a bench, you know, so there's four that are never going to get a game. I'm not sure that's a good way of, you know, utilising people's time. If it was me, I'd have five subs on the bench, more than enough schism, managers enough options to cover themselves, goalkeeper, defence, midfield, striker, uh, and, and use a maximum of three. So, you know, I'd go the opposite way. I'd have less subs. No, I totally agree. Actually, um, there's a famous saying that well, don't don't fix what's not broken, and I don't think there's any problems with the system at the moment. Um, I totally agree with Chris. I think you got you get players for an Argos example like Lewis Rooney, who sat on the bench, God knows how many times, and and very rarely featured. Now, if you only had to name five subs on the bench, he could have possibly gone out on loan to someone more often than he did. But the fact that you need to have seven substitutes sort of prevents that really, and I don't think it's helping the game at all by having. Uh, having that and if you have five subs in the game do you, are they going to increase the amount of people on the bench I mean do you know it's, yeah. it's I don't, I just don't, I don't think it's needed I think the game is fine as it is and making changes for changes sake is definitely not needed as far as I'm concerned well it seems to be the case that you get to this time of year and you hear all these changes and proposals that are put forward and why can't they just leave it well, we saw we saw with the the leak up draw what fast oh. that was the other day and yeah. just just do things simply it doesn't need all the all the fast so I, I yeah I'm a bit like you two I like the tradition yeah I, I, I just think that that you know there's no World Cup no European Championships this year there's a bit of a sort of void in uh, in news isn't there and um, you know people feel the need to talk about something so they come up with ideas of which you're going to tell us about a little bit more well yeah the IFAB which I believe is the International Football Association <laughs> Board correct uh, is, I mean what I thought FIFA were the governing body you know, who, the hell are, who are these people I don't know. <laughs> they, they, they sort of deal more with the rules the rules and the regulations yes. yeah. okay well they've, they've announced radical plans under, these, uh, under this fair play umbrella they want to see 30 minute halves with a stadium clock which is stopped by the referee uh, when the ball is out of play and then started again when the ball and play resumes uh, they see it as a way of reducing time wasting I mean just madness to me. Why can't the referee just stop? Well, exactly. The referee and... has the power. Why doesn't he do yeah, it? Yeah. Why do they need it's, this? It's, you see goalkeepers waste time all the time. Book the book him after yeah. a second attempt and just get on with it. That will clamp it down. I just there's such simple ways to solve some of these problems and to reduce it to thirty minutes and stopping the clock every time is so unnecessary. How can you sell football to fans, Chris, when you when you're suddenly going from forty five minute halves to thirty minute halves and saying, Oh yeah, we still want exactly the same amount of money for season tickets and things like that? It's crazy, isn't it? It's a sledgehammer to crack or not. If they if they tell referees to you know, book players for time wasting, even if it's in the in the first half, mm. solves the problem. I, I I don't I don't see the point in it at all, I've, I've got to be honest. It's uh, it just seems to be trying to, to create something which doesn't need uh, looking into. Just get the referees and the fourth officials on the on the same page and, and sort it out that way. Mm. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy, but you know, you know, there's there's other ideas as well. You know, it's it's people always say, oh, American footballs, you know, stop, start, stop, start, and all this sort of. And you know, for, one of the great things about football, it does tend to flow, doesn't it? And I do think if you had a sort of stadium clock and it stops and starts, it's 
it's creating the image that the, the game's not flowing and you know um, you know I, I, I am a traditionalist but I do think there's far too many ideas that aren't really going to improve the, improve the game it seems like the, you know there's, there's certain certain issues in the game which is technology that's taken a long time to come through that should have come through maybe a bit sooner and the issues that there aren't really there are, are the ones that are being mm. And, and I suppose there's no harm in putting proposals out there and gets people talking and you debate things, but um, I sincerely hope that this doesn't come about. And again, it's another one of those where um, I like one of the things I like about football is it, it doesn't matter if you play in the park on a Sunday morning or you play in the Premier League, you know, the, the basic rules are the same, you know, the, the equipment, the posts, everything's the same. You know, you're not going to have 30 minute uh, countdown clocks in non league football, are you, or park football? So you, you again sort of making football sort of haves and have-nots and the, yeah. and the pros and the, and the grassroots and you know I've always been a bit against video to be honest because you know you can have video in the Premier League that's brilliant but who's going to fund video in League 1 and League 2 or who's going to fund it in non-league who's going to you know where do you draw the line and then you know, the beauty of football is it's such a you know a game that everyone can play at whatever level and you know you know you're not going to have a stadium clock at a non-league game are you? No. So you sort of Overcomplicated things that don't need to be overcomplicated. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I, I sort of appreciate the fact that they're looking at time wasting because it mm. is something that annoys us all. I mean, yeah. I remember you guys speaking about Wickham last year, and you know, I've seen it in League Two myself, mm. in, League, in League One. I, you know, I, I acknowledge the fact that they're looking at it and trying to do something, but surely they just give the power mm. to the referee and say, right, mm. warn a goalkeeper when he's taking mm. his time over goal kicks. If we don't listen to you, then book him. It just and, and knocks it on the head. Last summer, didn't they have some... There was talk about clamping down on, on uh, uh, dissent to referees. Yeah. And they sort of said, you know, early on, you know, only the captain can go up to the referee. No surrounding the referee and things like that. And they made a big deal of it. And it actually made a noticeable difference, I thought, Stu. I mean, you, you know, you, you and Jack see a lot of football. And I thought last season was a lot less incidents of where the referees... I'm not saying it was eradicated completely, but there was a lot less. And I think if you just said, look, you know, start the season, um, the managers always have to go along to a meeting with the referees and they outline what they're going to do. So, right, look, we're going to clamp down on time-wasting this year. It doesn't matter if you score in the fifth minute and you start time-wasting in the 15th minute. If I think that you're time-wasting, you're going in the book. And all you need to do is book players and that will solve the problem. You don't need stadium clubs. The amount of times that I've seen a player booked in stoppage time for time-wasting when it's been going on for 70, 75 minutes. Yeah. And, just... you've, and you've got the linesman there as well. Yeah. They're more capable of looking out as well. Yeah. It's not all down onto just the referee. You know, no, that. that's right. A lot of these rule changes, they do seem to be coming from rugby union. I mean, another one that's been proposed is blowing for half-time and full-time when the ball is out of play. So, you know, you could perhaps go over the allotted time yeah. so long as the ball is in play before, you know, potentially score a goal or something. So. The, the only disagreement I have with that necessarily, and it happened in a, in a game to our goal towards the end, if you get a corner towards the end of the game, do you then blow the full-time yeah. whistle and there's a good chance to score? I think it's just common sense, really. The referee should, is employed to, to control the game, he should have the common sense to know when to end it. It shouldn't overrun by too far, and I don't think if you suddenly had a rule where it had to end when it went out of play, and as soon as the corner goes out, there's a good chance for a team to score. Then you're taking that away, aren't you? Yeah, I, I can see an argument in that one, but um, I'm quite happy with the way it is to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I, I don't think it will quite work. It works well in rugby, but yeah. you do have to keep the yeah. ball in play, and mm. but I can't see it working quite so well in football. No, it'd be easy to put the ball out of play, wouldn't it? Or, yeah. You know, so yeah, I'm, I'm not. I, I, there's a sort of argument to that one, but no thanks, Jude, sorry. Uh, another one, penalties can only be scored or missed, no follow-up to prevent encroachment. 
again, you can use the same argument we've just used. If referees actually enforce the rules of the game, and there's enough officials now, isn't there? You've yeah. got, you know, you've got, you're talking about fifth officials and things like that, maybe in, in some tournaments. Encroachment happens all the time. I mean, if you looked at most penalties, I bet you somebody's encroaching. Referees very rarely take any actions mm. against it. Um, yeah, if, if, if you didn't have any follow-ups, then, then yes, that would solve that problem, I suppose. So I can see that. But again, you know, just tell the referees to enforce the rules. The rules are there. Yeah. You know, if a player encroaches, you know, referees should be able to see that or one of the officials should be able to see that. You know, if it's a problem, you know, get the fourth official to go around from the side of the pitch and stand level with a penalty area and make sure there's no encroachment. You know, it's it seems like creating a rule when there's already a rule in place there that should deal with that situation. Yeah, absolutely. Jack, finally, uh, penalty shootouts adopting the... I think it's called ABBA. I read that as ABBA. I read it as ABBA initially. So, uh, thought there was going to be a Swedish tribute band coming out. Of yeah. So basically, the idea of this one is Team A would take the penalty first in a penalty shootout. Then Team B would take the next two. Then Team A would take the next two. It's been going on in a competition that I've seen recently, which I can't think off the top of my head. But what, what do you think about this idea instead of the normal ABAB? Again, I, I just don't think there's a problem with the current system. I, I, I'm... I think the current system's fine, and as far as I'm concerned, it should stay the same. I don't see the need to change it. I don't, I don't know if clubs have been complaining about the system, but it's been there for a long time. It doesn't seem to have caused an issue so far. Um, so no, for me again, no, I'm not. I'm happy how it is. It was actually in, the, I think it was in the FIFA World Under Twenty tournament. The one where England. Won. Yeah, the one that England won. I think it was mm. the semi-final between Venezuela and Uruguay. If I remember yeah. rightly, and I just yeah. happened to see it went it gone to penalties, and I couldn't mm. work out what was going on at first. But yeah, I mean, the penalty system seems to work out pretty well. You know, there's, there's a bit of a luck of the draw of you know who wins the coin toss, who's going to go first or second. But I don't think there's any evidence to suggest that the team that goes first has got a better chance of winning than the team that goes second. So. Yeah, it's it's all tinkering with the rules, and I think just clamping down on the existing rules rather than worrying about new ones is perhaps the way to go. But um, should just mention before we finish though that obviously the fixtures are out on Wednesday. The Argyle League one, they're out at nine o'clock. We'll have them online. We'll have all the analysis of them, reaction to them, see where Argyle are going. Christmas is going to be fascinating this year. Four games in. Uh, 10 days yeah, I think absolutely. it is or something like that I mean yeah. if you like your football it's great if you're a professional football player good luck you know, four, yeah. four no. games in 10 days it's going to be down that Christmas turkey a bit it, more. It, yeah. it, it's going to be hard going isn't it and you know for the first time in what you know since uh, 2010 2011 our last time we were in the League mm. 1 so you know they're back in with some, some decent big hitters aren't they they've got some great grounds to go to I mean we were talking about it in the office you know, you know, there's some really good grounds to go to next season. The Valley, the DW Stadium, Valley Parade. Um, so Park. it's yes, you know, Ewood Park particularly. You know, um, is is going to be good. So um, I should imagine all Argyle fans. You know, once those fixtures are out, that gives you you can start filling in your diaries, working out where you're going to spend your weekends. Jack's going to be planning his trip to Blackpool. So <laughs> getting and book your hotels early before he gets in there. And, uh, <laughs> And things like that. And then the following Wednesday, of course, is the start of pre-season, Wednesday the 28th. And then the first pre-season games come around on July the 8th. So it might seem hard to believe, but, you know, we are nearly there. Next time we have this podcast, we'll be talking about season fixtures. And the week after that, pre-season will be underway and off we go again. So so that is your summer break, chaps. Indeed. Well then, gents, let's get back to work. Back Um, to the beach, isn't it? (laughs) Wait, (laughs) it is for you. (laughs) 
Thanks ever so much to uh, Chris and Jack for joining me on the show. That's all we've got time for this week. Uh, remember, if ever you want to send a question in, Roy's pleased to hear them. We'll be back again same time next week, so be sure to join us then. Thank you. Bye-bye. We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at HeraldPAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening. Thank you.